Today's story is Dicky Toby, written by Castaway. The long road home seemed to go on and on. The road continued to stretch in front of the vehicle endlessly. The light that shone through the branches of the tall green trees danced across the window in random patterns, and every once in a while obnoxiously shining in your eyes. The surroundings were full of deep green trees, forming a forest around the road. The only sound was the sound of the car's engine as it traveled down the path. It was peaceful and left a serene feeling, although the ride seemed like a although the ride seemed like a nice one, it lacked every form of nice from its two passengers. The middle aged woman behind the steering wheel had neat short brown hair that fit her complexion quite well. She wore a green V neck T shirt and a pair of blue jeans. Diamond stud earrings decorated each of her ears, which partially showed for behind her haircut. She had deep green eyes, which her shirt brought out, and the lightning and the lighting seemed to make them more noticeable. There wasn't anything significant about her appearance. She looked like any other average mother you would see on TV shows and the like. However, the one thing that made her different than the average mothers was the dark bag she had under her eyes. Her facial expression was gloomy and sad, although she genuinely looked like someone who smiled a lot. She would sniffle every once in a while and occasionally glance in the rearview mirror to look at her son in the back seat, who was hunched over partially, with his arms held tight around his chest and head pressed against the cold window. The boy lacked any normal appearance, and anyone could plainly see there was something wrong with him. His messy brown hair went every which way, and the luminescent lighting brought out his pale, almost gray skin. His eyes were dark, unlike his mother's, and he wore a white t-shirt and scrub, his, and scrub pants that had been provided for him by the hospital. The clothes he had worn before were so shredded and bloodstained that they weren't wearable anymore. The right side of his face bared a few cuts along with a split eyebrow. His right arm was bandaged all the way to the shoulder, which had been shredded when his right side hit the shattered glass. His injuries ap appeared to be painful, when in reality, he couldn't feel anything. This was just one of the glories of being him. One of the challenges he had to face while growing up was growing up with a weird, rare disease that caused him to be completely numb towards pain. Never before had he felt himself get hurt. He could have lost an arm and felt nothing. The other major disorder he had faced which was the one that deemed him many insulting nicknames. In his short time, he attended grade school before he switched to homeschooling. It was his Tourette syndrome, which caused him to tick and twitch in ways he couldn't control. He would crack his neck uncontrollably and twitch every once in a while. The kids would tease him and call him Ticky Toby, and they mocked him with exaggerated twitching and laughing. It got so bad he had to turn to homeschooling. It was too hard for him to be in a common learning environment, with seemingly every kid poking or more like stabbing fun at him. Toby stared blankly out the window, his face empty of any emotion, and every few minutes his shoulder, arm, or foot would twitch. Every bump that car, every bump that the car would tires would hit, make his would make his stomach turn. Toby Rogers was the boy's name. And the last time Toby remembered riding in a car was when it crashed. That's all he thought about, unconsciously replaying everything he remembered before he blacked out over and over again. Toby had been the lucky one. His sister had not been so lucky. 
When the thought of his sister came, he couldn't help the tears that welled up in his eyes. The horrible memories replayed in his mind were screaming that it that had cut off when the front of the car was smashed in. It all went blank for a moment before Toby opened his eyes to see his sister's body. Her forehead pierced with glass shards, her hips and legs crushed under the force of the steering wheel, and her torso, pu- her torso pushed in from the too late inflated airbag. That was the last thing he had seen of his dear older sister. The road home continued on, on for what seemed like forever. It took so long long to get home because his mom wanted to avoid the sight of the crash. And the surroundings gave way to a familiar neighborhood. They were both more than ready to get out of the car and step back into their own home. It was an older neighborhood, with quaint little houses all next to each other. The car drove in from a blue house with white window panes. They both quickly noticed the old vehicle that was parked in front of the house, and the familiar figure that stood in the driveway. Toby felt automatic anger and frustration take over him at the sight of his father, his father who wasn't there. His mother pulled the car up in the driveway beside him before turning off the engine and preparing to step out and face her husband. Why is he here? Toby said quietly as he looked back at his mother who reached reached to open the car door. He's your father, Toby. He's here because he wants to see you. His mother responded in a monotone voice, trying to sound less shaky. He couldn't drive up to the hospital to see Lyra before she died. Toby narrowed his eyes out the window. He was drunk that night, honey. He couldn't drive. Yeah, when is he not? Toby pushed the door open before his mother and stumbled out onto the driveway where he met his father's gaze before looking down at his feet with a stern expression. His mother stepped out behind him and met her husband's eyes before walking around the car. His father opened up his arms, expecting a hug from his wife, but she walked past him and put her arm around Toby's shoulder and started leading him inside. Connie, her husband began in a raspy voice. What, no welcome home hug, huh? She She ignored her husband's obnoxious words and walked past him with her son under her arm. Hey, he's 16. He can walk by himself. His father began began to follow them in. He's 17. Connie glared back at him before opening the door to the house and stepping inside. Toby, why don't, why don't we get you in your room to rest, okay? I'll come to get you when dinner's ready. No, I'm 16. I can walk by myself. Toby said sarcastically and glared back at his father before stumbling up the small staircase and turning into his room, where he slammed the door violently. His little room didn't have much in it, just a small bed, dresser, a window, and his walls had a few picture frames of his family, back when they were a family, before his father became an alcoholic and acted violently toward the rest of the family. Toby remembered when he was arguing with his mom and he grabbed her by the hair and shoved her to the floor. And when Lyra had tried to break it up, he pushed her and she hit her her back on the corner of the kitchen counter. Toby would never forgive him for what he did to his mother and sister. Never. Toby didn't care how much his father beat him down. He couldn't feel it anyway. What he did care about was how he intentionally hurt the only two people he cared about, 
and when he was waiting in the hospital where his sister took her last breaths, the only one who didn't rush there was his dad. Toby stood by the window and looked down at the street. He could have sworn he saw something out of the corner of his eye, but quickly blamed it on the meds he was on. When dinner time had come and his mother called up to him, Toby came down the stairs and hesitantly sat down at the table across from his father. And in between his mother and and in between his mother in an empty chair. It was quiet as his parents picked at their food, but Toby refused to eat. Instead, he just watched his dad with a blank stare. His mother caught on to his staring and elbowed him slightly. Toby looked over at her slightly and then down at his uneaten food, which he still didn't touch. Toby laid in bed. He pushed his covers over his head and stared at the window. He was tired, but there was no way he could fall asleep. He couldn't. There was too much to think about. He had been debating on whether or not to follow his mother's directions and forgive his father, or continue holding a grudge with his boiling hatred. He heard his door creak open and his mother padded into the room and sat on the bed next to him. She reached over and rubbed his back, which had been turned to her. I know it's hard, Toby, trust me. I understand, but I promise you it'll get better, she said softly. When is he going to leave? Toby said with an innocent tone and a shaky voice. Connie let her gaze fall down to her feet. I don't know, honey. He's staying as far as I know, she replied. Toby didn't respond. He just continued to look forward at the wall, holding his damaged arm near his chest. After a few minutes of silence, his mother sighed before she leaned in to kiss his cheek and stood up to walk out of the room. Good night, she said, and, and closed the door. The hours passed slowly, and Toby couldn't quit tossing and turning. Every time he let his imagination take over, he heard the screeching of tires, the screaming of his sister, and he would uncontrollably jerk in bed. He threw, his, he threw off his cover, covers, and lying on his back, he pulled his pillow over his head and cried into it. He could hear his own pitiful weeping. He would have been screaming and crying if he didn't if he didn't push the pillow over his face. After a few seconds, he threw the pillow up over his up off his face and hunched over, holding his head and breathing roughly, tears streaming from his eyes. He couldn't help but cry. He tried to keep it in, but he couldn't stop the whining and whimpering as he sat there shaking. He inhaled before he stood up and walked out around his bed to the window and peered out, taking deep breaths, trying to calm down. He rubbed his eyes and looked out at the group of tall pine trees across the street. He stopped suddenly, and his gaze slowly centered on something standing under the streetlights. He heard ringing in his ears and couldn't look away. The figure stood beside the streetlight. About two feet shorter than it about two feet shorter than it did. Long arms draped as its sides as it stared up at him with non existence eye non existing eyes. The figure had no facial features to speak of, no eyes, no mouth, no nose. Yet it held Toby's hypnotized stare, seemingly peering into his very being. The ringing in his ears grew louder and louder at each second. Hey, Addy. The ringing in his ears grew louder and louder each second. He stared before suddenly it all went black. The next morning, Toby woke in his bed. He felt different. He wasn't tired at all. And when he con, con 
and when he consciously woke up, it felt like he'd been lying there awake for hours. He had no thoughts flowing through his mind. He sat up slowly and stumbled over to the wall. But when he stood, he felt automatically dizzy. He stumbled to the doorway and walked down the stairs. His parents were sitting at the table. His father was turned to the small TV that sat on the countertop, and his mother was reading the newspaper. She quickly looked over when she felt Toby's presence looming behind her. Well, good morning, sleepyhead. You've been sleeping forever, she greeted him with a hesitant smile. Toby slowly looked over at the clock and noticed it was 12.30 p.m. I made you breakfast, but it got cold. I was going to wake you, but I felt like you needed sleep. Her expression fell from happy to worried as her son resisted responding to her. Are you all right? Toby stumbled over and sat by his father. He felt as if he was on idle and had no control over his actions. He was seeing everything he did, but I didn't. But it didn't register in his brain properly. He reached out to his father's arm, but his hand ended up getting slapped. His father turned abruptly and pushed his chair over with his foot. Don't touch me, boy! He yelled. His mother stood up. All right, now that it. All right, know that off. That is the last thing we need. The days went by, and things continued, as on as they were. Connie spent most of her time cleaning the house, and her rude husband spent most of his time ordering her around. It was just like how it used to be before the crash. Toby never really left his room. He would sit by his bed and tremble. His mind would wander, his th- but his thoughts changed too fast to be remembered. He would pace around his small room like a caged animal or stare out the window. The unhealthy cycle continued. Connie continued to be pushed around by her husband, being way too submissive to him, and Toby remained in his room. Before he could think twice, he would begin to chew on his hands, tearing the flesh from his fingers. He would gnaw his hands until they bled. When his mother walked in on him while he was doing so, she reacted horribly. She rushed him downstairs and grabbed the first aid kit, wrapping his hands in bandages. Afterward, she demanded that she wouldn't leave her side again. Toby isolated himself so much that he grew to hate being around others. His memory grew glitchy as well. He'd start missing memory of minutes, hours, days, and so on. He would begin talking nonsense about things completely unrelated to the conversations he would have. He'd go off about seeing things, sharks in the sink as he washed the dishes, hearing crickets in his pillows, and seeing ghosts outside his bedroom window. His mother grew so anxious about his mental health that she decided it would be good for him to talk to a professional about what he was feeling. Connie walked to Toby and Connie walked Toby into the building, holding his hand and guiding him in. She walked him to the front desk and began talking to the lady who sat behind it. Mrs. Rogers, the lady asked. Yes, that's me, Connie nodded. We're here to see Dr. Oliver. I'm here with Toby Rogers. Yes, right this way, the to- the lady stood and led them down a ho- long hallway. Toby looked at the framed artwork in the halls and turned to the sound of the lady's heels on the hardwood floor. She opened the door to a room with a table and two chairs. If we can get him to sit here for a few minutes, I'll get the doctor. She smiled and held the door open. Toby stumbled into the room and sat down at the table. 
He looked over at his mother and the lady before the door slowly shut behind them. He looked around the room before he held up his tightly bandaged hands and began to bite at the bandages to unwrap his hands. But he was interrupted as the door swung open and a young woman in, bla in a black and spotted dress with light blonde hair stepped in, holding clipboard and a pen. Toby, she asked with a smile. Toby looked up at her and nodded. Nice to meet you, Toby. My name is Dr. Oliver. She put her hand out for him to shake by hesitant, but hesitantly pulled away when she noticed the ban his bandaged hands. Oh, she smiled nervously before clearing her throat and sitting in the chair across from him. I am going to ask you a few questions. Try to answer them as honestly as possible, okay? She placed her clipboard down at the table. Toby nodded slowly and held his restrained hands in his lap. How old are you, Toby? Seventeen, he responded quietly. She wrote that down on the paper that was clipped to the clipboard. What is your full name? Toby Aaron Rogers. When is your birthday? April 28th. Who is your immediate family? Toby paused for a minute before answering the question. My mom, my dad, my sister. I heard about your sister, dear. I'm really sorry. Their expression faded into a sad, pity-filled look. Toby nodded. Do you remember anything from the crash, Toby? Toby looked away from her. His mind went blank for a moment. He looked down at his lap and the surrounding area. He heard a faint ringing sound. His eyes widened, widened, and he froze in place. Toby, the counselor asked. Toby, are you listening? Toby felt a shiver go down his spine until he froze once again and slowly looked over the door. So he looked over at the little window through the door where he saw it. A dark, featureless figure peering in at him. He stared. His eyes widened, the ringing slowly growing louder and louder until this, until suddenly the loud voice of the counselor broke his trance. Toby! she yelled. Toby jumped and fell sideways out of his chair and backed up into the corner. Dr. Oliver stood up, holding her clipboard to her chest. There was a surprised look in her a surprised look in her eyes. Toby met her eyes again, his breath hitching as she, as he twitched. That night Toby lay in bed. His eyes were dazed as he stared straight up at his ceiling. He could feel himself begin to doze off when he heard the scattering of footsteps down his hallway. He sat up and looked towards the doorway, his door wide open. There was no light. Everything was lit by the luminescent glow of the, of the moon through his window, leaving a cold lighting. He stood up and slowly made his way toward the doorway, when suddenly the door, which previously was wide open, slammed in his face. He gasped and fell back. He was out of breath when he hit the ground, and he began breathing heavily, his eyes wide open. He waited for a few seconds before getting back on his feet. He reached out and grasped the cold door handle with his bandaged hand and creaked it open. He looked out into the dark hallway and tiptoed out of his room. The window at the end of the hallway lit up in darkness with blue moonlight as he padded his way down. The, down. He could hear footsteps rustling around him and faint giggling followed by the pitter-patter of small feet, which sounded like a child which sounded like a child had run in front of him, giggling and running around. The hallway was a lot bigger than he remembered. It seemed endless, like the ride home from the hospital. He heard the door creak in front of him. Mom? he called in a shaky voice.
Suddenly a door slammed behind him, and he jumped and turned around. Behind him, he heard a long, eerie groan that sounded like a croak right in his ear. He turned around as fast as he could, and was suddenly face to face with none other than his dead sister. Her eyes were clouded white, her skin pale, the right side of her jaw dangling there by tissue and muscle, glass protruding from her forehead, black blood leaking down her face, her blonde hair pulled into a ponytail as it always was, and she was wearing a grey t-shirt and athlete shorts, which were dirty and spotted with blood. Her legs were bent in ways they shouldn't be. He stood... She stood, emitting a long croaking noise, only an inch away from Toby's face. Toby yelped and fell back. Ah! He started to crawl backward away from her, but he was soon unable to break the eye contact he held with her blank, dead eyes. He dragged himself backward until he backed up into something. He stopped for a second. Everything was dead silent except for his heavy breathing and crying. He slowly looked up to meet the blank face of a tall, dark figure the same figure that stood over him now. Behind the tall, dark mass were rows of children, looking to range, looking to range from three to ten years old, their eyes completely black and dark blood leaked from their eye sockets. He screamed and stood up as fast as he could, only to be tripped by dark black tendrils that wrapped around his ankle. He fell straight on his stomach and got the wind knocked out of him. He tried to scream, but he couldn't make a sound. He wheezed out before it all went black. Toby woke with a start. He screamed out and stood up as fast as he could. Completely short of breath, he wheezed out and, and held his chest with his bandaged hands. It was just a dream. Just a dream. He lay back down on his bed and rolled over on his side. It felt like it felt like against the weight had been lifted off his chest, and he took in deep breaths. He stood up and padded over to his window. He saw nothing. Nobody was out there. No ghosts, no figures, nothing. He heard the rustling and coughing of his father outside the doorway. His door was closed. He walked over and opened it, looking out into the hallway once again. He padded down the hallway into the kitchen where he found his dad standing and having a smoke in the living room. Toby waited for a second and watched him, before, watched him from around the corner before a burning feeling started deep in his chest. Deep, boiling anger overtook him. He heard the literally little imaginary voices in his head. Do it. Do it. Do it, they chanted. He turned away and f held his arms. He felt like he actually had, no actually had control over himself. Unlike he did for the past few weeks since he got home from the hospital. He actually had complete thoughts for just moments before the chanting of the little voices in his head had clouded them. Kill him. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. Kill him. Kill him. They continued on. Toby trembled. No, no, he wasn't going to do it. What was he... What? Was he going crazy? No, he won't kill anyone. He can't. He hated his father, but there was no way he was going to kill him. That was it. The last thought he had before he fell into an idle state once again. The influence of the voices in his head was too much. He began to silently walk up behind his father. He reached over the counter to the knife in the case. He gripped it in his hand. He felt the sensation take over in his chest. He let out a snicker. <laughs> he began laughing so hard he had to gasp for breath. His father turned around so abruptly before he felt the brute force shove, shove him to the floor. He grunted as, as, air, as the air was knocked out of him.
What? He looked up at the boy who was who stood over him, grasping the kitchen knife in his hand. Toby, what are you doing? He went to sit up and put his arms out in front of him in self-defense, but before he knew it, Toby was on top of him. He went out to grab his neck, but his father reached out and blocked his hand by grabbing it on, onto his wrist. Stop! Get off me, you little fucker! He yelled with his other hand. He threw, off, he threw an off-center punch toward Toby's shoulder, but he didn't stop. The look in Toby's eyes was not sane. It looked as if a demon had taken control of him. He yelled back and went to stab the knife in his, father in his father's chest. But his father blocked him and grabbed onto his wrist once again. He went, he went to shove him back, but Toby kicked his feet out in front of him and landed a hard blow straight to his father's face. His father recoiled and put his arms away to cuff his face, but Toby got back up and drove the knife straight into his shoulder. His father let out a loud cry and went to pull the knife out, but before he could... Toby threw his fist straight into his face. He began to pound his fist into his head, laughing and wheezing. He cracked his neck and grabbed the knife and ripped it out of his father's shoulder. He drove it deep into his dad's chest, repeatedly stabbed his torso, blood spilling out and getting splattered everywhere. He didn't stop until his father's body went still. He threw the knife over to the side and leaned over his body, coughing and panting. He stared at his father's smashed-in face and sat there, twitching until a loud scream broke the silence. He looked over to see his mother standing a few feet away, covering her mouth, tears streaming down her face. Toby, she screamed, why did you do that? She cried, why? She screamed. Toby stood up and began to back away from his father's bloody corpse. He began to back out of the kitchen. He looked down at the blood-soaked bandages on his hands and looked up at his mother one last time before he turned and ran out of the house. He ran into the garage and slammed his hand against the control panel of the wall and pushed the button to open the garage door. Before he ran out, he noticed his father's hatchets, which had been hanging on the tool rack above a table full of jars filled to the brim with old rusted nails and screws. One of the hatchets was new, and had a bright orange handle and a shiny blade, and the other was old with a wooden handle and an old dull blade. He grabbed both and looked down at the table, and he saw a box of matches, and under the table was a red gasoline tank. He held both of the hatchets in one hand, and grabbed the matches and gasoline before running out of the garage, down the driveway, and up the street. As he approached the streetlight that he could see out his own bedroom window, he heard the police sirens in the distance. He turned around, and the red and blue flashing lights came rushing down the street. Toby stood for a second before he pulled open the cap on the gasoline tank and ran down the street, spilling gasoline all over the street after him. He turned and ran down into the trees. He poured the last bit of gasoline out before he reached into his pocket and pulled out a match. He struck it against the box and immediately dropped it. In an instant, flames burst around him. The fire caught in the trees and bushes around him, and before he knew it, he was surrounded by the fire. Silhouettes of police cars were visible through the flames as he backed away into the forest around him. He looked around, but his vision was blurred. His heart was pounding, and he closed his eyes for a moment. This was it. This was the end. Toby felt a hand on his shoulder. He opened his eyes and looked over to see a large white hand with long bony fingers resting on his shoulder. He followed up to see he fell out the arm that was attached to the hand up to a dark towering figure. He appeared to be wearing a dark black suit, 
and his face was completely blank. It towered over Toby's small frame as it looked down on him. Tendrils reached out from his back. Before Toby knew it, his vision blurred and he heard the sound of ringing in his ears. Everything went blank. That was it. That was the end. That was how Toby Rogers died. A few weeks later, Connie sat in her sister's kitchen. His sister, Lori, sat next to her, drinking a cup of coffee. About three weeks ago, Connie lost her husband and her son. And a few weeks before, she had lost her daughter to a car crash. Since then, she moved in with her sister. The police were keeping her busy. They had just finished cleaning up the case, and the story had been released two weeks ago. The focus of the world seemed to have shifted to completely new stories. Lori switched the TV to a news broadcast. On the TV, the news reporter began introducing the new headline. We have breaking news. Last night, there were been reported the murder of four individuals. There are no suspects yet, but the victims were a group of middle school kids who had been out in the woods late at night. The kids had been bludgeoned and stabbed to death. The investigators discovered a weapon at the crime scene. It appears to be an old, dull-blade hatchet, as you can see here. The picture changed to show snapshots of the weapon exactly as it was left at the crime scene. Investigators have pulled the, the name of a possible subject, Toby Rogers, a 17-year-old boy who stabbed his father to death a few weeks ago and tried to cover up his escape by setting a fire in the streets and forest area around the neighborhood. Although they believed the young boy had died in the fire, investigators suspect Rogers might still be alive due to the fact that his body was never found. And that's the end of the story. Subscribe to my podcast if you like this kind of stuff. Um, once I have a Patreon, I'll ask you guys to support me on it. But right now, I don't have one. So, uh, goodbye.